This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health, a new fully integrated biopharmaceutical solutions organization that's the result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health. Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Tuesday, January the 30th, and we're talking healthcare. I'm your host, Shannon Jones. I'm joined via Skype by a healthcare guru, all-around good guy, and now professor. I can add to that title, That title, and that is Todd Campbell. Todd, how are you? Good, good. I missed you last week, and uh, you alluded to it. Man, I'm excited. I, I get to spread the capital F foolish word now to a, a great group of of future stock pickers at the University of New Hampshire, up near where I live. And uh, it's going to be quite an experience, no question. <laughs> Can't wait to, to hear more about that experience, Todd. And honestly, I mean, what a gem to be in college to- learning about investing from, you know, one of the pros, I think that <laughs> they probably don't even realize the privilege and the honor that they have of sitting in Todd Campbell's class to learn about stocks. I tell you, if I could go back in time and take a class taught by somebody who's involved in the business that, that takes the discussion from the theoretical that oftentimes you in the university environment to you know the real world application of some of the of the things that we're going to be talking about this semester, uh, boy, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. I, I really hope that you know I hope that that they get away from the class as excited about you know what they learn as as I am about what I do every day. Exactly. Yeah, it really should be mandatory, I think, for any any graduate student, undergraduate student should really learn about investing. But today's show is really about making sure healthcare investors know which top stories to look out for in 2019. Todd, we've got a lineup, pretty impressive lineup, about six we narrowed it down to. And this is by no means an exhaustive list, but these are the ones that a lot of analysts and investors are paying very close attention to. So, Todd, how about we jump right in? Let's start with the first one. Um, And this is a catalyst I would almost call the uncatalyst in some respects. And it's for a company called Biogen, and that's ticker symbol B-I-I-B. And there's so much going into their drug, and it's aducanumab, and it's for Alzheimer's. Number one, there is a lot of uncertainty about Alzheimer's, which we'll get into. But even more importantly, for this company, there's still a lot of questions about, A, how are they going to grow the business? And will we actually get an interim data readout on this drug Todd, how can we start to make sense of what is going to be an interesting year for Biogen in 2019? Yeah, this is going to be kind of a uh, delivering on a moonshot next 12, 18 months period for this company. I think, you know, if you've been around and followed biotech as, as long as we have, then you kind of start to think when you think of Biogen, you think, hey, this is a fast growing big biotech. Not so much anymore. You know, they they built their ba- they built up their business with these very highly successful multiple sclerosis drugs, um, but you know those drugs are now mature. I think that May last quarter their year over year sales growth was only about six point six percent. So you know, in order to move the needle for big companies like this, sometimes you have to take big risks. And a couple of years ago, they said, you know what, we are going to double down and focus on trying to come up with an effective treatment for Alzheimer's and anyone who has listened to our show knows from past discussions on Alzheimer's just how hard uh, that is and, and what a moonshot it would be if they were able to develop a drug 
that does indeed either slow the progressions and uh, of this disease or maybe even who knows someday reverse it yeah and just to give some context to the high stakes of this drug and any sort of approval um and really even in just even before approval any sort of positive news when it comes to data 99% of clinical stage drugs in Alzheimer's have failed. So it's affectionately called the phase three graveyard for a reason. And speaking of, um, in a very timely fashion, Roche, they also had an Alzheimer's drug, um, which they announced, I believe it was uh, today, as a matter of fact, that they were actually going to be shutting down two of their phase three studies for their drug. And so there was a lot of read through on Roche's drug to Biogen's drug, even though Biogen has been very you know, explicit in saying that this is different. But analysts and investors have really been looking at these two drugs um, as basically being in the same class. So now you've got Roche stepping back, shutting the doors on two phase three studies. You have a slew of other failures, Eli Lilly, J&J, to add to the list. And so I think what you are seeing, and even as it's playing out in the markets right now, I think Biogen's down about 3.5% on the news of Roche. Um, the company that's actually partnered with Roche, AC Immune, is actually down about 65% uh, today on the news, with Roche being about flat. So stakes are very high, and this new piece of news really does not help Biogen and its investors right now. Yeah, this goal of being able to break down the amyloid plaques that build up on the synapses and, and to try and restore the ability for the brain to communicate as quickly and rapidly as it, as it did when it was younger. Uh, it, it just, it's been a very, very difficult to find the right, I guess, the magic formula to, to try and tackle Alzheimer's disease. And, you know, you look back at the phase two data for any of these drugs that have failed in phase three, and one of the, the common threads uh, throughout is this in a subgroup, we saw <laughs> kind of kind of presentation of data where where it's certainly by no means a slam dunk, even as you're going into phase three. So you know you've got Biogen, this big company. They've obviously they're investing a tremendous amount of money uh, with the hope of developing multiple um, drugs for or therapies for Alzheimer's disease. This is the most advanced of those drugs. Their phase three trial is fully enrolled. Um, we have no idea if we're going to get interim data. I, I didn't see a, a note of that when I was scanning through the the um, the most recent quarterly earnings report. Um, however, I may have missed it. Uh, so we don't know if we're going to get interim data. And that shifts all eyes to early 2020. So potentially the next 12 to 14 months, whether or not we'll find out that if this drug actually works in phase three at slowing disease progression. I mean, obviously, if it, 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 there's a tremendous amount of stake, right? I mean, there's 5.7 million people uh, with Alzheimer's disease, and that patient population is only increasing because we're, you know, the money, baby boomers are getting older and people are living longer. So the stakes are very high, but the odds of success are very low. Absolutely. So lots to watch in 2019. And uh, we'll definitely be keeping our listeners up to date. If we get interim data, I think on the conference call that Biogen had for their earnings, they uh, deferred to, we don't have a comment or a policy on commenting on interim analyses. But it'll be interesting to see if they get more investor pressure, especially coming off of Roche and their news. But lots to look forward to in 2019 there. Uh, let's turn our attention to the second big story, what will be a big story in 2019. And uh, 
this the reason why it'll be a big story is because this could mark uh, first approval for a company that's really on the cutting edge of gene therapy. This company is none other than Bluebird Bio. That's ticker symbol BLUE. Stock has had a really rough 2018, Todd. I went and looked back. It was actually down about 40% last year. But uh, given some uh, movement on the regulatory front, 2019 could actually look like a quite a bit of a turnaround year for them. Yeah, Lentiglobin is the, the, the big mover that we're going to get news on here in 2019. Uh, the 2018 performance, in my view, is was mostly tied to increasing research by competitors um, for their BCMA targeting therapies for multiple myeloma. And so I, I think that that kind of overshadowed what could be the launch of Bluebird Bio's first gene therapy. And that, again, is lentiglobin. That's for transfusion-dependent beta thalassemia. And what's important here is that this patient population, it's, it's not huge, uh, thousands of patients, but um, they do require constant, continuous transfusions of red blood cells. And those transfusions are, you know, they're burdensome, they're costly, and they can, you know, cause uh, complications that, that end up um, damaging organs. So there's a, there is a significant need to kind of reinvent how we treat patients with beta thalassemia. And the approval for Bluebird Bio that they are expecting is coming, would be coming not in the U.S., though. It would be coming out of the European Union, which has given it an accelerated, um, an accelerated pathway. So they filed for approval. A decision should come out of the EU. I, my guess is that sometime um, before the, the fall, I don't know the exact date that they're expecting that. Um, and then if it's approved, follow that up next year in 2020 with a, with a potential approval here in the U.S. The trial results were pretty compelling, Shannon, for lentiglobin. They certainly were. So uh, what they saw in the trial was a single dose of lentiglobin uh, actually resulted in something called transfusion independence in eight out of 10 patients, which is pretty remarkable. But even more remarkable was the fact that it was a durable response. And so all eight of those patients actually maintain transfusion independence through the last data cutoff period in September with a median duration of independence of 38 months. So not only do you have impressive results, but you see the durability of response. You mentioned that this will be the first drug approved for the company coming in the EU, of course. Um, but certainly, they've also got a pipeline, potentially two others that could be approved and ready to go by 2020 as well. Um, also, this is a drug being studied right now, and we're looking at the TDT indication. But obviously, there's some read-through also with sickle cell disease as well, which they're also going after. So all in all, I think getting across the finish line just in the EU will, I think, spark a lot more investor attention in 2019 and even more so than it did in 2018. Yeah. And one of the big questions, Shannon, that is going to be on everybody's minds is how do you how do you price something that is a kind of that one and done therapy for something like this? And if you look at the JP Morgan presentation that they put out, Bluebird Bio put out, they came up with an intrinsic value for lentiglobin of $2.1 million per patient. Now, obviously, you're not going to get any payer in the European Union to pay $2.1 million for a one-time treatment. But it certainly does raise the question of, okay, how are we going to price these types of game-changing therapies um, so that it works out for everybody involved, the patient, the, the, the company developing it, and the payers? 
Um, you know, is it going to be one of those things where you pay an upfront fee and then maybe you spread the payments out over five years? Is it going to be an upfront fee and then you only pay if it actually does result in transfusion independence? We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see on that. And as we know, gene therapies have really been commanding the highest price tags across the industry. So whatever benchmark they set out with a potential EU approval will certainly be interesting to see if they get approved in the U.S. and then what that price tag could look like here as well. All right, next up, um, we are continuing on with the theme of blood disorders. And so the next company on our list is a big player in this space, um, specifically from a sickle cell disease standpoint. And that company is Global Blood Therapeutics. That is ticker symbol GBT. Uh, Todd, I think for GBT, there is so much at stake. And really, everything for them is resting on the fate of one drug in particular. What can you tell us about that drug, Todd? Yeah, it's almost like the name of their company should just be this one drug, right? <laughs> I mean, Global Blood Therapeutics, it tells you that they're focused on blood, but really this is their this is their this is their drug. This is this is what's going to move the needle for it. It's a drug called Voxelotor. Um, I'll just call it Vox from here because, you know, I always struggle with these names. It must drive our listeners crazy. But it is a treatment for sickle cell disease and there is a big need uh, for new treatment options for these patients. Many of them many of whom suffer these vaso-occlusive um, events that land them in the hospital, very, very uh, painful events that require um, opioid intervention, et cetera, in many cases. This disease can lead to stroke. It can, it can shorten lifespans. It can starve organs of blood. It is a very uh, important indication for us to develop new treatment options for. And the hope is that Global Ed Therapeutics, Vox, is going to be that treatment uh, in trials again. Did pretty well, right, Shannon? Certainly did. 65% of patients taking a 15 milligram dose and 33% of those patients taking a 900 milligram dose did achieve a clinically and statistically significant increase in their hemoglobin. And only about 10% of patients taking placebo actually achieved that same benchmark. So impressive results all around. Again, just like we saw uh, with lentiglobin, this was a sustained response, sustained through the 24-week cutoff. Um, and I think, too, what's really interesting about this drug is that uh, it's being developed as an oral once-daily therapy for patients with sickle cell disease, which when you consider um, all of the cost involved with treating these patients, um, the back and forth for um, transfusions and such, you really see the opportunity that Global Blood Therapeutics has just in the mechanism of action if they make it through to approval. Um, so this was interesting to me for that. But even more interesting to me is the fact that this will really put a stamp on Global Blood Therapeutics and their their product pipeline as well. They need an approval, I think, to just gain, A, some credibility, potentially some partnerships as well. But this is another one that I think will be a big one to watch in 2019. Yeah, they're going to have a pre-NDA meeting, so a pre-new drug application meeting with the FDA uh, in the first quarter, I believe. That should influence their decision on when they file for approval of this, of this drug, of Vox. Uh, a couple things to keep in mind for investors is that their the endpoint, the primary endpoint, is increasing hemoglobin. That is not necessarily the endpoint that this has been targeted in this indication in the past. Usually, it's in reducing the crises that land these patients in the hospital that is the primary endpoint. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see how the FDA ends up, you know, viewing this data and considering this data. You alluded to the the size potential of the market. There's about a hundred thousand patients in the U.S. with sickle cell. 
Uh, and the treatment, what I saw is the treatment average costs about $200,000 a year. Uh, so it certainly could be, again, a, a, a relatively high-priced drug targeting a relatively large patient indication if it can get across the finish line. Yeah, so I think all eyes will be on what comes out of this pre-NDA meeting um, that is scheduled to happen sometime in the first half of this year. Assuming the FDA agrees with global blood therapeutics proposal uh, to seek accelerated approval. Um, we should get more updates into 2019. And then also, too, they are actually studying, um, they have a phase two trial going on in pediatric sickle cell disease. In the second half, we may get updates on that as well. So lots to look forward to on that front. Um, we've got three more Big stories to watch for 2018. But before we dive into that, let's take a quick break and a word from our friends at Cineos Health. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health. Bringing a new drug to market is getting tougher and tougher. At Cineos Health, they're changing the game. As a result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, they've created a unique business model that allows clinical and commercial disciplines to work together eliminating traditional process obstacles and delivering something they call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Helping their customers accelerate the delivery of important therapies to patients, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com podcast. All right, we're back. And next up, uh, we're keeping a close eye on this next indication in particular, and that is actually for peanut allergy. Specifically, we've got two front runners in the race, one much further than the other. But let's start off with the front runner, and that would be a company called Aimmune Therapeutics, ticker symbol AIMT. It's got an oral drug that could potentially become a first-in-class treatment for children suffering from peanut allergy. Todd, what can you tell us about this drug? Yeah, I don't know you about shit, you, Shannon, but I know that when I was growing up, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches were a staple of my of my school diet. Not so much anymore, it would seem, because the uh, number of people who suffer from peanut allergies um, is fairly large. 1.7 million people suffer from peanut allergies. And of course, that makes it very important to try and come up with approaches that can help uh, their immune systems not respond in ways that, you know, are life-threatening to even the smallest of exposures to the peanuts. Yeah. And looking at uh, the trial data, so in a phase three trial, 67% of patients treated with their drug AR101 were able to tolerate the peanut protein equivalent to at least two peanuts. And that was good. There was kind of some mixed reviews, though, especially the fact that 14% of patients taking the drug actually had to take epinephrine to address the allergic reaction, compared to only about 6.5% of patients on placebo. With that being said, I highly expect that if they, um, as they get closer, we'll probably have an advisory committee meeting uh, with the FDA to really discuss and debate the risk-benefit profile um, before we get an approval. And so it looks like that could be potentially coming maybe in the third quarter, probably sometime in the second half of the year. But this company in particular, when you talk about the the government shutdown, was very vocal um, about the delays caused uh, to these marketing applications with the FDA being closed. So if there's been anything that investors have been watching is, what's the new timeline? Can we get AMUNE's AR101 across the finish line? 
Yeah, I think on January 14th, they came out and said that uh, the FDA won't re- review the application until the shutdown is over, which means that maybe there was a pause in, in looking in in the progress of this through the, the regulatory body. Uh, the shutdown is temporarily over now, so hopefully that means it's these, these people are, are focusing on this application yet again, um, but there's also the chance that in a couple of weeks, we shut down again and what's going to happen at that point to this application. And any changes to the timeline, of course, are important, especially when you're talking about a company that doesn't have any dr- other drugs that are on the market. I think the real big issue here, Shannon, though, is going to be how that ADCOM committee um, comes out on the other side of reviewing the potential benefit of, say helping provide some protection against that minor exposure to a couple peanuts uh, versus, you know, does, you know, the, that large number of people who had to use epinephrine to address exposure. Does that mean that people have this feeling that they can get exposed so that they're, they're maybe less, you know, paying attention less to, to um, the food that's around them? Or is it have something to do with uh, the they get exposed to larger amounts and those larger amounts then trigger an event that that requires the epinephrine shot? So this this is that's probably the biggest the biggest thing to keep an eye on. There, they're not the only company who's got you know a, a therapy in the works a, attacking peanut allergy. DBV Technologies is also working on one, but their idea, which is to build up resistance by using a patch. Uh, put on the skin, um, was dealt a big blow last month in December when the FDA, you know, basically came back to them and said, hey, listen, we need more insight into quality control and manufacturing before we can review your application. And that led to DBV Technologies withdrawing their application, a pretty steep sell-off in shares. Yeah, and they are expected to um, basically get their act together and refile. So we'll certainly need to keep an eye on them in 2019, but certainly gave Immune uh, the front-runner status here. All right, let's turn our attention to the next major story to keep an eye on. And this is for a large commercial player. That company is Vertex, and that ticker symbol is VRTX. Vertex uh, already dominates the cystic fibrosis market uh, with its three approved drugs, but it's got a combination cocktail um, that could actually expand its market even further in that arena. Todd, what can you tell us about that? This has been just such an, uh, a fantastic story for patients and for investors. You know, Vertex shifting their gears to cystic fibrosis um, at the end of last decade. They launched their first drug, um, Calideco. Then they came up with a, a two-drug combination, Simdeco, more recently. They can now treat about 60% of the 75,000 people who have cystic fibrosis with these drugs. As a result, sales have just marched steadily higher year after year. And the idea and the goal for Vertex is to be able to address everyone with cystic fibrosis. And trials right now that are wrapping up, I mean, we should get data from a second trial very soon, um, are evaluating triplet combination therapies that theoretically could increase their, their target market to over 90% of the cystic fibrosis marketplace. So, I mean, the, the, the amount of change since 2012 in this indication has just been remarkable, and it's all due to Vertex. All due to Vertex. And so, yeah, you mentioned they've got um, a couple of phase three studies underway. Um, they'll decide uh, 
based on the data from those studies, uh, which which of the combinations they'll be moving forward uh, later this year. So we'll need to keep an eye on that. But to your point, Todd, uh, Vertex, and uh, I actually voted for this in our roundtable that we did at the end of the year, the industry focus, Vertex and their management, um, I think, is top notch when it comes to the biopharmaceutical industry. Um, really the story of how they've been so dedicated and so focused on being able to treat a hundred percent. Every single cystic fibrosis patient is something that's not only great, of course, for the industry, but really for these children, for these patients um, that deal with this debilitating disease every day. So um, all in all, lots to watch on their triplet combo coming up. Um, let's turn our attention, though, to the last major catalyst that all investors will want to be watching. And that is for a company that got a lot of attention, I believe it was in 2016, Todd, um, for their their DMD drug, an exon-skipping drug. It looks like they are coming back in 2019 with potentially some new options. Yeah, Strepta Therapeutics, SRPT is the symbol there. What an amazing, again, story and development for patients uh, targeting, again, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, or DMD, that's a life-shortening, muscle-wasting disease that's characterized by the inability to produce dystrophin, um, functional dystrophin, and that's usually caused by mutations that occur at different exons. And, you know, the first drug, Strepta launched, um, again, got approval under, I mean, some people were wondering whether or not it should get approval. It did get approval. It's on the market now. Uh, But unfortunately, it only addresses about 13% of the DMD population. It, it skips exon 51, so mutations at exon 51, to try and boost the production of functional dystrophin. They have two therapies, though, that are now fast approaching the finish line that could increase um, more than double their addressable market, so bring them close to 30% of the DMD population. They've already filed for approval of one of them, Glolodersin. Uh, they filed for the approval of that in December. That skips mutations at Exxon 53. And then later this year, they hope to file for approval of Casimersin, and that skips mutations at Exxon 45. So a lot to watch here for Sarepta Therapeutics. And of course, you know, when you are first to market, especially for a drug um, like their DMD drug, the first one that was approved, you're going to have competition on the horizon. One competitor to keep an eye on is Wave Life Sciences. It's also got an Exxon 51 skipping drug um, that will be coming out. And they last month actually reported safety and tolerability data from an early phase one study that did allow the company to go ahead and put the thumbs up on moving it to phase two, three trials, which will begin this year as well. Um, It's also going to be adding a higher dose cohort to this phase one study. And all of that could contribute to an eventual FDA filing potentially in the second half of this year. Um, So you've got competition coming along the way, but it is certainly good to see Sarepta now with two additional products that could make it across the finish line as well. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see, even if this other drug gets approved. I mean, if you're a parent and you've noticed improvement in your child uh, with DMD on Sarepta's drug, Exxon on this 51, uh, would you be willing to move to another therapy? I don't know. This is a relatively small um, indication. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how the first mover advantage ends up playing out from here if competition does come along. Again, 
the Exxon 51 is only only uh, amenable to about 13% of the, the patient population. So the fact that Sarepta is so far ahead on the work in, in addressing other Exxon skipping areas, I, I think that that's, that makes this definitely a stock to watch. Absolutely. And so that wraps up all six of what we consider our top stories to watch in 2019. As I mentioned earlier, we'll be sure to keep you up to date on all the latest news and happenings throughout the biopharma industry. Um, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check us out. We've got a YouTube channel now. Just go to www.youtube slash The Motley Fool to catch all of our coverage moving forward. And uh, as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening and full on. These days, bringing a new drug to life is getting tougher and tougher. It can take billions of dollars and a decade or more to bring an experimental drug from molecule to market. And only one in five marketed drugs ever achieve revenues that match or exceed R&D costs. At Cineos Health, we're working to improve the odds. The result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, Cineos Health is the only company purpose-built to create what we call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Our unique business model allows the clinical and commercial disciplines to work together from the start, sharing critical data, insights, and knowledge. The Cineos Health approach creates success by eliminating traditional obstacles and smoothing the process at every step along the way, from clinical trials to FDA approval, branding and marketing to patient adherence. Every day, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit SineosHealth.com slash podcast.